Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Brad Stevens. Brad, are you ready to do this? Let's roll, my friend. Yeah, let's let's go. Brad is the founder and CEO of Outsource Access, trained and affordable virtual staff for entrepreneurial businesses, and he is the host of the Automate and Delegate podcast. Excited to have you on. Brad, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. My pleasure. Well, I'm a, a native of Atlanta, Georgia. I've had a lot of interesting uh, things happening in Georgia over the last 12 to 18 months, <laughs> for better or worse. Um, but uh, from, a, from a climate standpoint, it's very, very enjoyable, if I was speaking to the positive sides. But I, um, yeah, I grew up, grew up around Atlanta, um, Atlanta, Georgia area, and come, uh, I grew up in a bit of an entrepreneurial family. So uh, I've had that kind of around my, my world for quite some time. I was that crazy kid that had a a micro machine rental business in third grade where I rented them to all my friends for, you know, pennies a night. And, um, until I went to a little Christian school and I carried them in in crown Royal bags that my parents had left over from when they bought <laughs> crown Royal. <laughs> and so that didn't go well with my, uh, my, my inventory management, uh, system and, and my Christian school. So, uh, it, it got, got, got nixed, uh, not too far into the adventure, but I, uh, but I started a tutoring company in high school and helping kids kind of navigate, you know, getting through math through the summers and had a tutoring business there. So I always knew I was going to go down the entrepreneurial path and uh, um, you know, went to college. And uh, after college, I came back to Atlanta, um, uh, went to Wharton Business School. Great school, um, you know, but a, but a lot of things as an entrepreneur, um, you kind of learn uh, on, the, on the fly. And the company I was going to work for after college ended up going under right before I was supposed to start. Um, so I had that fork in the road opportunity to uh, take some other job offers that there were on the table or start my entrepreneurial career. I know I was going to go down that path ultimately. And so I, I chose that path. And 21 years later, I'm 41 now. Um, you know, that's all I've done. So I've built multiple companies in different industries, product-based businesses, service-based businesses. Um, all of them have had an inter- international component to them. Um, that kind of led me to, to where I am now and um, got married and, uh, Got a five-year-old daughter, an 18-month-old son. Uh, keep us quite busy. And um, and my current company, yeah, Outsource Access. And you know, classic example, out of crisis comes opportunity. And my last company, we manufactured and distributed teeth whitening products. And long story short, we had a product disaster happen. Cash got tight. I had to figure out how to get lean, make dollars stretch. Forced me to learn about the whole gig economy, outsourcing. Um, became an expert kind of in it. And when I exited that business, I used that knowledge base to, to launch Outsource Access. And did a lot of speaking and consulting for quite some time. And then um, decided to launch our own operation. So, uh, so yeah, June of 2019, we launched Outsource Access to provide VAs based out of the Philippines for business owners all over the world. And uh, 22 months later, we're, we're just over 300 employees. So it's been a <laughs> crazy growth path that we've, uh, we've navigated. And, and why do I do what I do? Um, I tell you, this is the most aligned I've ever been as, as an entrepreneur. Um, I mean, not that I didn't enjoy the teeth whitening business, making smiles white, but <laughs> it wasn't quite the subject matter I'm passionate about now, which is, you know, two sides of the equation. On one side, you know, if anybody gets to know the Filipino culture, just I've fallen in love with those people, the, the work ethic, the drive, the just the, the sense of family. We're creating jobs and opportunities for them that the, many of them would never have had before, that they're super sharp and bright and competent. Um, and on the other side, we're helping small to medium businesses, um, you know, survive through COVID. I mean, the stories we've heard have been unbelievable. Um, and truly, you know, as our tagline says, redefining how they scale. Um, 
and, and have a big initiative around giving back as well. So I um, got a chance to intersect with the United Nations and their sustainable development goals. So in our business, we try and be aligned there and have a lot of give back initiatives that we do um, around humanity and, and the environment. So uh, that kind of brings us to today. That's awesome. A lot of a lot of really cool stuff there. I appreciate you sharing. Um, I'd love to just get your get get your take. It, it seems like there's been a, a lot of conversation, or there has been a lot of conversation about higher education and its value. Going to business school at one of the top, if not the top, business school in the country. Do you think that it was worth it? Yeah, I mean, I, and there's certain aspects of it um, that that I used in some aspects that didn't quite use this as much. Um, and, and to clarify too, I, I did my undergraduate, um, at Wharton. I mean, Got it. So we pretty much did a lot of classes, you know, or some intersection with folks in the MBA side, but I did my undergrad. Um, and I majored in finance and, and marketing and, and that first job I was going to take, actually, I thought I was going to go down the investment banking route for a couple of years to pay, <laughs> to pay some bills before I started my entrepreneurial career. So I did some finance. And so there's some, epically complicated finance classes there that, that, that would have been very helpful if I'd gone down the investment banking path, but <laughs> learning how to build synthetic financial instruments with puts and calls, um, I've <laughs> used a, a great deal. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, the, the experience in college and higher education, you know, be, being around a community of people, um, I learned a tremendous amount by my fellow, you know, classmates and, and, and the programs and things that we did together I and mean, the emotional intelligence you build being on your own and, and being among some high performing individuals, um, you know, had a tremendous amount of value in terms of the curriculum itself. Um, you know, I'll say accounting and financials, which as an entrepreneur, a lot of entrepreneurs have these grandiose ideas and they're all about vision and ideas, but they never put numbers to the paper. Um, and, and that's a, you know, because it's not as fun, it's not as exciting. But knowing the reality of your numbers and how to know the difference between variable and fixed costs, do being able to do forecasts to figure out, hey, is this crazy idea actually going to be economically sound? Um, so accounting was very, very valuable um, that I, I brought into my entrepreneurial world um, and fanatical about doing financials and forecasts about anything that we do. And then from a marketing standpoint, I would say some of the, the fundamentals like uh, that we had to do and understand understanding the concept of associative networks and how to think about marketing. I mean, a lot of marketing, I think, is some common sense elements, um, but it gave a lot of frameworks that were really, you know, that were really helpful that I kind of took into my career. But I, I would say as an entrepreneur, they've done a lot better at work, particularly they've, they've added a whole new entrepreneurial path uh, since I've been there. I mean, that was, you know, 20 years ago. Um, but at the time, I'd say probably 70% of what I learned as an entrepreneur was kind of, you know, on the job training. Yeah, nice. All right. So here, here we are. You've got this growing and thriving company, helping small to medium-sized business uh, scale virtually. And I don't know if I said that correctly necessarily, but it's in the Philippines. So walk me through um, how, however, it's 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 appropriate. Tell me the services that 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 they're providing. Who should be thinking about doing this kind of a thing? Yeah. So as far as our business, I mean, I chose to, you know, b before I launched Outsource Access, as I mentioned, I'd done a lot of outsourcing and learned how to do it and, and grow my last business and use different firms and programs and platforms that are online, like, you know, Upwork and Fiverr. And um, back in the day, it used to be Elance and Odesk, and they kind of merged together and became Upwork. Um, you know, there's these gig economy type of platforms that exist. Um, so I learned a lot how to engage this world. Um, and then before I launched this, I did a lot of speaking and I would do a lot of consulting with companies and figure out their constraint points and, and then kind of refer them to, to companies or resources I'd found, um, but didn't have my own kind of operation. And I used that kind of as a discovery phase to figure out where is there a real niche and opportunity. And, um, 
what, what I found was in create outsource access was to kind of address the, the failure points that I saw in some other firms that, that were out. There's still a lot of really good ones out there, but we chose a kind of a different approach. Um, but I would say that outsourcing and using VAs in the gig economy um, and virtual staff and, and leveraging a global economy and, and the economic differences and currency values that can create strength is not a, a short term tip or trick. I mean, this is where everything is going. Um, you know, Tim Ferriss wrote four hour work week, you know, I think 10 plus years ago. And that's still the reference point that a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, when I speak, I ask people to raise their hand and everybody's like, yep, read that one. And it provided a kind of a, like more of a novelty approach versus this is a fundamental way to scale and grow a business. You know, a, a, a muffler shop in St. Louis never thought they could have a Filipino in the Philippines doing all their bookkeeping for them, you know, for a fraction of the cost that they may you know, have done or are not doing it because they're too busy with their business. Um, so I would say, first of all, that the shift is, is heading very much in this direction. You fast forward five, 10 years, most small to medium businesses will have some component of this into their business and how they grow and scale. It's about distributing work to where it's the highest and best use of time you know, for everybody. So when I tell people about journey and going down this journey, it starts before you outsource anything is two buckets. You know, um, One, what are the things that you, or if you're you know, a larger business and you got staff, you know, and just ask the simple question, what are you doing that isn't the best use of your time and how many hours per month are you spending on that? I know it seems like a simple question, but we've had zillions of people go through this exercise and just take the time to block off time to really think about it and audit themselves. And they are blown away at the hours and hours that add up and stuff that isn't the highest and best use of their time. And then the second bucket is what are things that are on the radar that you want to be doing in your business or personally or things that you just have not gotten to due to time, money or knowledge constraints. And that's the second bucket. And when people think about those two buckets and really put time and do it, it's amazing how much just zillions of dollars of value that comes out of there. Things either that they're not spending their time on they should be or things that are taking away time. So that's kind of the, the starting point. Um, and then with, you know, with, with our business, we realized I chose intentionally not to make outsource access just be a specific like a call center or just a bookkeeping firm or what have you. What we found is most small to medium businesses have a – they have a collection of what I call administrative and operational and marketing clutter that just has got to be done, right, but isn't necessarily the best use of time. So in our model, we focus on hiring very sharp, intelligent people that can learn quickly and people that don't know the Philippines. I mean, completely Americanized culture. I mean, the U.S. controlled it since you know, up to 1947. So it's very different than all the rest of Southeast Asia in a lot of ways. Um, but very sharp, very bright. You'd be blown away at the talent. Um, but you can, I mean, you know, minimum wage there is still one U.S. dollar, right? So people can make four, five, six times minimum wage there and, and work for entrepreneurs all over the world, and it's a huge win-win. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a variety of things. In our world, we're doing we kind of figure out what people's constraint points are, and most of our VAs are wearing multiple hats in a business. They're doing some marketing work, they're doing some operations work, they're doing some finance work, um, and a lot of clients once they see how one works, then they expand and add a second, a third, and our largest client actually has 65 VAs with us. <laughs> nice. Um, doing all kinds of different things. So, so that's kind of the journey and the path we share with people is it's going in this direction. You should, it should be on your radar, whether you use a company like ours or otherwise, it should be on your radar because your competitors are going to be doing it. It's going to become a mainstream from small to medium business. Answer those two questions for yourself and then choose a path to engage, whether it's a company like ours or otherwise. Um, and just get the ball rolling, you know, choose some tasks initially, get things and getting and learn about the process and let it kind of unfold from there. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. Why do people resist this, do you think? 
Um, the classic famous last words of death of an entrepreneur who wants to scale. I can do it better and faster myself than the time it takes to teach someone else. Right. Um, so back to just as cliche as it is, it's back to, you know, the e-myth, you know, for anybody that's read the e-myth, um, you know, it's, it's being the technician and living in the business. And, and, and honestly, from a chemistry standpoint, you know, cortisol, right. The chemical that kind of runs through our body when we hit that fight or flight stage as a, as a human being. And a lot of entrepreneurs and people that are startups and have gotten their business, they are so used to being in fight or flight and, 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 and doing fire prevention and firefighting and reactive and solving problems. They almost get addicted to it a little bit and they get so chemistry connected to it, in my opinion, that it's not only it's just difficult for them to say, no, I would like to scale and have more peace in my life and learn how to automate and delegate and get things off of my plate. And they kind of lean on, well, it's just easier for me to do it myself than to take the time to teach someone else. And it's also the cost, right? But when you look at the cost, you know, like, like in our model, we charge like 1600, you know, 1695 a month for a dedicated full-time, you know, staff working you know, 40 hours a week for, for our clients. It's 1695 a month, right? If you look at the ROI, it doesn't take very much. If that entrepreneur is really focusing on what their highest return is and selling more business or strategically moving in the right direction, it doesn't take much to get an ROI on that if you're using that resource, you know, kind of correctly. So they get hung up on the time to do it and teach it and train somebody else how to do stuff. They get hung up on the cost. Um, and then they get hung up on, you know, safety, security, overseas. Are they going to be competent? You know, am I, can I trust my data and information? And, and I could go into all kinds of detail there, but there's – ask those questions of anybody you engage, and we answer all those. We actually have a video on our site on outsourceaccess.com where we kind of I, I go through a whole video explaining all those different elements and detail of and addressing each one step by step. Um, but those are you know the the typical you know kind of constraint points that people have. Nice, that certainly does make sense. And what a valuable exercise it is for anybody just to audit your time because I know that we don't do it enough uh, just to figure out what it is that you're doing and how much you're spending time on and then to really put a value on that. I'm sure that for everybody, uh, it comes out to be a pretty big number that you could very easily get off of your plate and be focused on other things. So great exercise. Is there... I, I'm, and I'm, I think you've already mentioned it a couple of times, but what is the scope of actual work that 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 you do for clients? It's uh, you know, it's pretty wide ranging. Um, and again, you know, this where I found because in our model we only do a dedicated full time you know person. You know, that's a minimum entry point with our business. And okay. Say, oh, I don't know, think I have enough work for a full time type of person. But <laughs> most entrepreneurs, when we start going through that process and having answering those two questions, you know, what are you doing that's not the best use of your time? And if they have any staff asking the same questions and what are the things you're not getting to? Like I've been meaning to get on LinkedIn and do a lot more, you know, value there and do lead generation and connections and so forth, but I don't have time to do it. Or we've been meaning to get, you know, video testimonials of our of our clients up on our website and haven't done it. Or I've been meaning to get a lead capture form on our website but haven't had time to design one and get it in, implemented. When you start asking those questions, you know, it starts unpacking, you know, plenty you know, there. Um, and, um, and so the, the, the scope and, and one of the things we do differently that others is, is, is there some companies that are like, yeah, whatever you want, you know, whatever task you need, you can get five hours a week, 10 hours a week, 12 hours a week. They don't do a really good job of a discovery session of really unpacking, having a deep dive conversation with that business owner and entrepreneur of understanding, okay, let's answer these two questions and let's do a master brain dump of where all your constraint points are. And in that process, um, it does vary tremendously. We got some that you know, it's purely operations work where they want them to, I mean, we got an e-commerce 
company we were working with, they brought on a VA to support their operations director who should not be spending time chasing down, you know, order issues and warehouse and inventory management. Um, now they have a VA kind of plugging in and taking on a bunch of administrative and operational stuff and streamlining workflow. Um, to we had a you know a video production company that their VA is wearing multiple hats. They're helping chase down receivables from QuickBooks. They're doing you know LinkedIn uh, automation outreach and management. Um, they're taking all their video assets for all the videos they've shot for weddings and so forth. And the VA is now posting those consistently and tagging those that they did the video shot for in LinkedIn and Facebook. All stuff on the radar that they are not squeezing the juice out of assets and things that they've done. That VA is plugging in. Uh, logistics and coordination with their clients, you know, for their photo shoots, following up, making sure they're going to be there, making sure that they got the information of what to prepare for the photo shoots. So that VA is wearing multiple, you know, multiple hats. And that's kind of in our model. We focus on hiring people that are fast learners, good communicators, and can take feedback because ultimately they got to plug into a collection of things within that business that is in a couple of different areas. Um, and so, yeah, it runs the scope from financial stuff, operational stuff, you know, personal tasks, you know. <laughs> Our daughter recently turned five and, you know, we had to, you know, research and find a, a place that my, she's fanatical about unicorns, right? So we needed to have a, sure. they could bring live unicorns <laughs> to our house and have a unicorn party, right? Perfect example, you know, have a VA research and search the Google terms in Atlanta, who has, you know, Google, you know, uniform, I mean, uh, unicorn parties, put them in a spreadsheet, you know, so that my wife, you know, I could just, you know, take a look, a look at a list of all of those and not have to do the, you know, the heavy lifting. So there's a whole collection of things. Um, one other quick one I'll share is my watch was broken one time. And this is when I first started using a VA, and I was just saying, well, maybe I could get a VA to do this. Um, so I tried replacing the battery. That wouldn't solve the problem. Um, I have an iWatch now, so that's a, not the problem. But, um, but I was going to have to research, find the repair facility, where to get the download, the information to ship this watch off to get it fixed. All I did was shoot a picture of it, took a picture of the back of it, sent it to my VA, and said, hey, could you research and find out how to get this fixed? So she took the picture, zoomed in, saw the brand name, saw the serial number on it, searched online, found the repair facility in Dallas, went to their website, downloaded the form, filled it all out. She knows my name and my address and so forth, got all that completed. And then we use a password sharing tool called Dashlane that let her log into my UPS account, create a shipping label. And I woke up the next morning and I had the repair document and the shipping label in my inbox. All I'll do is print it off, drop it in a box and ship my watch off. So it's just what I call death by paper cuts in life, like the mm -hmm. little things that just add up the VAs can plug into personally and in your business in all different aspects. Amazing. <clears throat> so literally she was able to create a unicorn and take care of the watch. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I speak a ton on this for a bunch of organizations. Um, uh, and I'd welcome you put me on here as a part of an entrepreneur organization or business organization. I have a whole, you know, in person and virtual one that I do. And I go through about 30 case studies and I just share and unpack and show step by step these little, micro things that people just don't think about that sit on the radar. You know, another quick one I'll share is, you know, we're all wanting to shoot more video and get video content out on our social channels. And so back before COVID, when I was going and working out at the gym, I would always listen to a podcast. Most of us listen to a podcast while we're working out. Take advantage of that time you are taking to consume content to then repackage it in a bite-sized summary format and push it out to your audience as value. So I'd listen to a podcast for 20, 30 minutes running and I'd walk as I'm walking out of the gym, pop up my phone and say, Hey, you know, just listen to so-and-so podcast. Here's the top three takeaways. It was absolutely fantastic. You should check it out. But it was a pain. I'd have to shoot the video. Then I'm having to get it up and get it posted to social, then get captions put on it so that people could see it without sound and so forth. When I first got my VA, we wrote a little micro protocol and I said, I'm going to have her help me do this because I wasn't getting it done because I, I didn't have the time. So I walk out of the end, shoot that video. 
And then I download a mobile app. Um, a lot of you are familiar with Vimeo, right? You can host videos with Vimeo online, but it's also a phenomenal mobile app to get a video from your phone up to the cloud. So I would upload the video and set her up to get notified as soon as that video went live on Vimeo. She would download that video of me shooting that summary, use a free tool called Headliner to put the captions on the back of it, re-upload it to Vimeo, and then go log into Buffer, which is a social media distribution tool, post the video on Buffer, and have it posted on all my social media channels. So I went from shooting a video in Atlanta to pinging to the Philippines, downloaded, captions put on it, out on social media, all in seven to ten minutes. And now that happened at scale, and I was able to get content out that I would have never done otherwise. So that's like a little micro protocol that, you know, again, you take the time to create a process for someone else to help you versus, oh, just easier if I do it myself. And then you just repeat and rinse. Um, and it, it just work, can work like that in a lot of elements of your business. I love it. I love it. Well, that was a good one, Brad, but the people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? And there's so many aspects of, of kind of what I shared. I, the, the thing I'll go back to um, that really is a realization for people is doing that exercise I shared you know, at the beginning, and it's worth repeating, um, that you got to sit down and really just, first of all, get clear about are you wanting to scale and grow or you want to be in constant firefighting mode and always say you wish you want to grow and scale, but you never do have that conversation with yourself that you truly want to scale and grow and embrace something new and different and get uncomfortable to engage and do that exercise. Take some time, keep a Google doc up while you're working all day and so forth. And every time you sneeze document, what are you doing and how many time, how much time are you spending on it? What are the things that aren't the best use of your time? And secondly, what are things on the radar that you want to be doing? Maybe it's doing research to start a new business. Maybe it's getting you know, a video done. Maybe it's getting a podcast launched. What are the things that you want to be doing you haven't gotten to due to time, money, or knowledge constraints? Start there, and if you do a good job and make that list, it will become abundantly clear to you how much value is in that list to go down this path as a, as a way to, to resolve it. Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Brad, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Yeah, just visit uh, you know, our, our website if anybody wants to learn more about Outsource Access. And we got a bunch of great educational content videos. You go to outsourceaccess.com. Uh, if you click on uh, uh, Get a Virtual Assistant at the top there, there's a video there of me where I kind of take you behind the scenes in the Philippines, show you what this whole world is like. I answer all the questions people have about it. Um, you know, whether you use us or not, it's a great educational content video. We've got a bunch of other resources on the, on the site. If you want to check out our podcast where I interview people, it's called Automate and Delegate, What You Should Not Be Doing um, to Grow Your Life, Business, and Relationships. I can go to AutomateDelegate.com and check that out. I interview business owners and share their specific examples of, of kind of what they do. Um, if you're interested from a speaking standpoint, if you've got an organization like me to kind of speak for bradstevenstraining.com is kind of our, our site for all the speaking and background there. And lastly, I'll share with your audience, if anybody wants to just send an email, we set up an email address called tools, T-O-O-L-S, tools at outsourceaccess.com. If you just send an email to that, you don't need to write a message or a note or anything and just put in the subject line lifeblood, right? That's all you need to do, lifeblood. Send an email to that. We will send you a, a list of a ton of resources, over 200 automation tools. Um, I'll send you links to recordings of some webinars and content that I've done. So tools that outsource access, put lifeblood in the subject line. And uh, as you can imagine, I have a VA that manages that email, and uh, we'll get that kicked out to you. Love it.
Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Brad your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to outsourceaccess.com, check out the resources, click on the Get Virtual Assistant uh, button and learn about how the process actually works. Check out the Automate Delegate podcast um, if you have an organization and Clearly, Brad does a great job presenting. Uh, reach out to him about that and then shoot an email to tools at outsource access and put lifeblood in the subject line and get the list of resources. Thanks again, Brad. My pleasure, George. Appreciate the time. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.